Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. Time to get into the Word. Uh, I have a word today I preached at the first service that I believe is a prophetic word for our church. I'm gonna set it up by reading a scripture from the book of Hebrews and I want you to get this scripture and use it as the frame of everything that I'm about to say this morning. It says this in Hebrews chapter number six, verses seven to eight. For land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is tended, the farmer, they will receive, this land will receive the blessing of God. Let me read that again so you get it. For the land that drinks in or receives the rain, falling on it, and then produces a crop, gives back to the farmer who tends it, will receive the blessing of God. So the land is receiving and then the land is giving back. Somebody say giving back. But, somebody say but. The land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and its curse is imminent. In the end, it will be burned. This is two types of land, both both receiving the rain, only one of the pieces of land is producing. The one that produces is blessed of the Lord. The one that doesn't produce or produces thorns and thistles is cursed of the Lord. Okay, I wanna read a second uh, passage of scripture. It's a story that many of you would know, a famous Bible story found in the book of Mark, chapter number 11, verses 12 to 17. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, he was Jesus, Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When Jesus came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to the fig tree without figs, let no one eat from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And I'm gonna stop there. And then later in the story, we see that after Jesus had had, had this encounter with the fig tree and cursed the fig tree, he then goes into the temple and cleanses the temple and turns it upside down. And then on their way back, the disciples passed the fig tree and sure enough, the fig tree that Jesus cursed was withered up from the root. There are many principles that you can take from this particular passage of scripture. Most Bible stories are not one principle stories, they're multi-principle stories. The first thing that we could take from this story is that Jesus is attracted to this fig tree because of its leaves. And he's thinking where there's leaves, there must be life. Where there's leaves, there must be fruit. So he goes over to have a look. And unfortunately, when he looks, when he pulls the leaves back, there are no figs to be found. This fig tree was signaling life 
but was fraudulent. It was a fake tree. It was projecting a whole lot, a lot, but not delivering on any of it. It was all style and no substance. That, that's principle one, the first thought we could take from it. Not only that, this fig tree was receiving nutrients from the soil, producing some beautiful, glossy leaves. It was taking the refreshing of the rain. It was taking the sunshine. It was receiving, but this fig tree was not giving back. I'm here today to preach a message with one point. And the one point is this, don't break the cycle. Don't break the cycle. See, in Genesis chapter number eight, when Noah came out of the ark, God put into play a principle that is still at work today and we may rage against it, but we can never overcome it. And that is this, while the earth remains, there is seed time, a receiving of the seed and harvest, a divine cycle. I receive and I produce fruit. I receive and I produce fruit. I receive and I produce fruit. Jesus didn't just curse the fig tree because it was a liar. Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was receiving, but not giving back. It was breaking a divine cycle. I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. And I, I wanna marry this a little bit with our relationship series that's coming in. I wanna ask you this question. Where are you receiving, maybe in relationships, but not giving back? not producing? Where are you receiving the rain, receiving the sunshine, but not giving back a harvest of what you have received? Let's talk about marriage for a second. In Genesis chapter number two, we see God say, he's having a conversation, I suppose with the, the, the Son and the Holy Ghost in heaven and the angels. And he looks down at Adam and he says, he makes this comment. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, I'm not sure what God was observing Adam do at the point that he made that statement. But nonetheless, he looks down and he's like, oh, oh, oh dear. It's not good for man to be, to be alone. I'm gonna make a helper comparable to him. So here's what God does. He puts Adam to sleep. He, he puts Adam under anesthesia because he's like, I don't need your help in this, Adam. If you get involved here in creating this woman, you might wreck it. So I'm gonna put you under. Then the Bible says that he took a rib out of Adam's side and then he closed up that place with flesh. And then he went away and he handmade the woman. And then the Bible says that then God presented Adam with his wife. Somebody say, Adam received a wife. Adam received a wife. And now God was looking, what will you do? How will you invest into what I have invested into you? Many men can use the chapter of scripture on Proverbs 31 about the Proverbs 31 woman who was an absolute boss babe. When you look at her attributes, she was amazing. The Bible says that the heart of her husband safely trusted her, that she rose while it was yet still night. She prepared food for all her household. She was a, a boss woman in the marketplace. She considered a field and she bought it. The Bible says that she 
made tapestry for herself, step aside Nordstrom's. This woman had a sewing machine and an imagination. She was, she was all the goals. But, but it's interesting that passage of Scripture in Proverbs 31 is sandwiched by two verses that if we don't take the time to notice, we will miss the principle at play. The first thing that is established in Proverbs 31 about this magnificent woman that is all the goals, the first thing that's established is her worth. Who can find a virtuous wife for great is her worth. The reason this woman was all the boss babe goals was because something was established in that household. Something was invested into her by the husband that had received the gift of a wife and that's her worth and her value. And there are many men in many churches across the world saying, where can I find a Proverbs 31 woman? I'm gonna put my order in. Where can I find a woman like that? Well, my question is when God gives you a wife, it all comes down to your investment into her. What are you investing into her? What are you producing with what you have received from God? It's one thing to covet another man's wife. In fact, the Bible tells us in the commandments, thou shalt not covet another man's wife. Why? Because God wants you to cultivate your own. How are you stewarding what God has put into your hands, men? It's quite another thing to observe and look at other wives and other women. Oh, I wish my wife was confident. Oh, I wish my wife was savvy in that way. Oh, I wish my wife was that secure or that compassionate. I wanna ask you the question today. Are you over-expecting from a woman that you have underfunded? Are you over-expecting from a woman that you have underfunded? Now, I think in about 16 days, Valentine's Day is rolling around. I'm, I'm gonna help you guys out today. Now you can cry and lament and whine and complain about how it's a made up holiday invented by Hallmark cards to increase their profit margin. But trust me, when the 14th of February rolls around and you show up without a gift, you're gonna realize how real it is. <laughs> My husband learned the hard way. He asked me one day, darling, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, oh, nothing. Man, just so you know, when a woman says she wants nothing, she really means everything, okay? <laughs> and foolishly complied until on my birthday, I, I wake up, where's my present? What is, where's my card? What you get? You said you wanted nothing. Yeah, but I didn't mean it. <laughs> didn't mean it. And we can, we can complain or... Men, you can complain about the fact that there is a day actually segmented or designed on the calendar to give back to your wife, or you can see it as an honour and privilege to pour back into what God has given you. The fig tree was cursed, not just because it was fraudulent, but because it had received something and now wasn't investing back into it. When it comes to our marriage relationship, mine and Jürgen's got infinitely better the minute we stopped thinking about ourselves. The minute instead of thinking about what I want, what I need, what I demand, who's the king or queen of being tired, who's the most stressed, whose needs 
our most reign supreme is when our marriage got infinitely better. When I saw my marriage and Pastor Jürgen saw our marriage as an opportunity to give back or to sow back into what God had entrusted to us. Can somebody say amen? I'm gonna ask you this question, men. Where have you been drinking in the rain but not producing a crop as it relates to the handmade gift that God gave you? And you might complain, it feels like my marriage is cursed. Well, maybe it is. But maybe it's cursed because you've been receiving but not giving back. You've been breaking the divine cycle. Don't break the divine cycle. This was put in motion by God. And like I said, you can rage against it, but you can never overcome it. Don't break the cycle. Amen, Leanne. Let me tell you a story, actually. Let me lighten the mood a little bit. There was a man... And uh, he went to his doctor and he said to his doctor, uh, doctor, I, I think my wife is losing her hearing. He's like, oh really, okay. We'll go home and do this test. I want you to, next time she's in the kitchen cooking something, I want you to stand 10 feet away and I want you to ask her what she's making. If she can't hear you, repeat the question again from 10 feet away. If she still can't hear you, repeat the question from five feet away. And if she still can't hear you, I want you to get right up in her ear hole. And I want you to ask her what she cooking. She's like, yes, a plan. So he goes home and sure enough, there's his wife standing at the stove cooking dinner, stirring a pot, pun intended. He stands 15 feet away as instructed by the doctor and says, hey, honey, what you making? No answer. So then he moves to 10 feet. Sweetheart, what you cooking over there, good looking? Still no answer. So he moves to five feet and he says, hey, babe, what you making? Nothing, nada, zip. So he gets right up in her ear and he says to her, honey, what you making? And she turns to him and said, for the, says, for the fourth time, vegetable stew. Maybe the problem is you. <laughs> Took a while for you guys to get it, didn't it? Yeah. For the fourth time, vegetable stew. All right, I want to talk to, to the women now. I wonder if the wives will amen just as loud as they were before. <laughs> In that same passage of Scripture where God presents or gives Adam the gift, the responsibility of a wife, he also says of the wife, I will make a helper suitable for him. He, he puts into motion a divine design and imprint on the woman. One that's been under attack in our current and present culture, which has been in a lot of ways sabotaged by feminism. I wanna ask you this question, women. Are you raging against the divine design that God has spoken over your life from your very inception? The Bible tells us that 
the Lord said, I'm going to make a helper, a companion suitable for him. Women, God has given you a husband and it's an oxymoron for a wife to be a wife, call herself a wife and also not be a helper. There's something at play in our world right now that has tried to diminish the role of helper. Helper is a strong word. Helper is a noble word. It's a virtuous word. You know who needs a helper? People who need help. In fact, when the helper comes, things automatically get better than they've been. And it would be such a shame in this culture that tries to diminish the role of women and to make her fit into a mold that was never, and, and she becomes miserable and aggravated and angry and mean instead of releasing her into what God has divinely designed her to be. Women, God has given you a husband. Now you're called to give him help. It's not popular preaching, but it will change your life if you apply it. When I got this revelation in my marriage, everything shifted. I was raised in a home with four strong sisters and one strong mother and my poor old dad. <laughs> when, I, when I came to my husband, he didn't get the, you know, a, a confident, secure woman who had all her ducks in a row. He got someone who was intimidated in areas, who struggled with fear, who, who had, had some issues with security, some issues with stubbornness and not the good kind. And I thank God that I had a husband who invested into me, not just the mushy stuff, not just, just the Valentine's Day cards and the memories, but also the ministry, the messy stuff. I had a husband who took me for deliverance when I needed deliverance. I had a husband who called me out when I needed to be called out. He didn't let me sabotage my own life through not addressing and highlighting my dysfunctions when they needed to be addressed and highlighted. I want to ask you today, ladies, if the Lord has given you a husband, have you claimed and are you operating in your divine role of help? I want to talk about what a healthy husband will give a wife and how a healthy wife will help her husband. He will give you food. You will give him a meal. He will give you a house and you will make it a home. And I know this is triggering people today because it's so anti the current culture of feminism, but it's okay because look at the world, look at the harvest we're living in. It's time to do it God's way. He will give you money. You will give him memories. Christmas day, my husband gave me a budget for the Christmas gifts, beautiful budget for our children. He was as surprised as the kids were when they opened their presents on Christmas morning. You got what? And I love it. I, I, am, a divine, I am a divinely designed helper. He, our husbands give us something we made up. We add our help to what has been given to us. Ladies, are you receiving but not giving back? He will give you love. You will give him respect and gratitude. He will give you romance and faithfulness, fidelity, and you will give him adoration and affection. Wink, 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 wink. This is the PG-13 service. So I'm gonna let you read between the lines right there. He will give you his strength 
and you will give him your gratitude and your encouragement. I think when it comes to a healthy home, and I always wanna preach health, and I know that there are exceptions to every rule, but we don't make rules off of exceptions. I'm always going to preach the goal, the standard. I remember a particular time where I'm piping off at my husband about the fact that you seem distracted. And you know, we never get to spend any time together. And ironically enough, I would always complain about how much, how little time we got to spend together while we were actually spending time together. <laughs> therefore ruining the time we had together. And I was sitting in the car next to him, complain, 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 complain. And this one day he just de like had determined within himself, I'm gonna give it to you straight, Leanne. It was kind of like a Colonel Jessup from A Few Good Men moment. I know he's heralded as the villain in that story, but I think he also had some admirable qualities. When Lieutenant Weinberg comes to him and says, you know, he's piping off about something he doesn't like. And he says to him, you have the luxury of not knowing what I know, of not carrying what I carry. I would be more, I, I would sooner have it that you say thank you and then go about your day. And my husband said to me, he said, Leanne, do you know what I carry? Do you know what I do to keep this family together? To make sure that we have a roof on our heads, that our children are secure so they can have the life that they have and the future that they have. And I tell you what, it woke me up real good. It woke me up real good. I wanna ask you the question today, are you receiving and not giving back? One of the greatest blights and one of the biggest reasons that marriages start but then end and fall apart is selfishness. If we could shift, God, I have received, I am blessed to have a husband or a wife. And trust me, do you know how many girls out there that would be happy to take that man off your hands? And maybe treat rightly what you've been trashing. Don't be like the fig tree, all leaves. Oh, look at us, look at us. And we have the wedding day and snap, take all the photographs and get all the things done. And we got the perfect house and the perfect car, but there's no fruit because you're receiving, but you're not giving back. The marriage we have today, we have because we have learned to not break that divine cycle. Do you know that in the Bible, when God speaks to a husband or a wife, he doesn't speak to the husband about what the wife should be doing. And he doesn't speak to the wife about what the husband needs to do for her. He says to the husband, husbands, love your wives. Treat them gently. He says to, to the wives, I want you to respect and honour your husband. Do you see how this works here? He's not gonna pipe off to that person about what should be done for them. He's gonna tell each individual, here's how I want you to behave. Here's how I want you to invest into what I have invested into you. As it relates to your marriage, where are you underfunding and over-expecting? Let's now talk about the parental relationship. The Bible tells us very clearly in both Testaments, both God and Jesus and all the apostles speak about this at length. Honour your mother and your father. If you do this, you will live long in the land. I want you to capture that cycle there. There it is, the divine cycle. Your parents gave you life. Because you, they gave you life, you received 
life because of your parents, you are to give back to them honour. The Bible says when you give them honour, then you will receive life in return. You see how this works? It's a divine cycle. Now, I realise that there are people in this room and you've got parents who have not behaved honourably and you find yourself in a bit of a conundrum. But I will say to you today, this principle still remains. So I wanna ask you if maybe you have a fractured relationship with a parent. Ask the Lord, what does honour look like for me? I'll never forget the story of a pastor friend of mine who lives in Florida who had a very, very fractured relationship with his parents. His father passed away suddenly and his mother was left alone a widow but would have nothing to do with him. She was, by all means and purposes, a very unpleasant woman. But the Lord said, even though she's been unpleasant and her behaviour is not honourable, you are to honour her position. So every week, even though that they weren't talking and sometimes honour and reconciliation, that it, it, listen, forgiveness and honour doesn't mean you have to be reconciled with somebody who is abusive. That's not what I'm saying. It means we honour the position. So every week he would send her a card and a bunch of flowers just to honour her. They weren't having a conversation. He kind of couldn't have a conversation with her because she was manipulative and he, she got up to all kinds of shenanigans, but he put into practice this principle. As a result, the, the amount of blessing on his life, the healing in his family, he's managed to break a cycle of dysfunction in his family because he hasn't broken the divine cycle of when you receive, you have to give back. I found, especially when it comes to parenting, there's a shift that, that takes place. So my parents gave me life. And in the beginning, it was all about them giving to me. They were giving me comfort. They were wiping my knees and wiping my tears. They were the ones providing for me financially. They were the ones who would listen to my endless stories that went nowhere. But then something happens, you kind of reach a tipping, a tipping point and things start to shift the other way. And now there's, God is looking for a reciprocation. God is looking for a reciprocation. And so I now find myself in the interesting place where once I was receiving, but now I'm being called to give back. And it's like the tables turn a bit. Have you noticed that in your relationship with your parents? And now the people that took you to dinner, God is saying, now I want you to pay for their meal. Now the people that comforted you, God is saying, now I want you to bring comfort to them. It's a divine cycle. Don't break the cycle. Don't break the divine cycle. You may not, in some cases, be able to honour their behaviour, but you must honour their position. And, and you know what? Jesus did this brilliantly. We see in the Scriptures that there was a time where Mary and Jesus' brothers came to a room where Jesus was, was holding a service. And they wanted to bust in because they felt like they have family rights. And they want to kind of like interrupt the service because Mary had something to say to him. And Jesus was still honourable, but said, listen, no, tell my mother to wait. Tell them to wait outside. So I'm not saying put up with manipulation or shenanigans, but what I am saying is honour. At the end of Jesus' life on earth, we see him on the cross. It was a powerful moment. He looks down and he's looking at the woman, Mary, who was standing at the foot of the cross, who had given him life. And in the most excruciating moments of his pain, he did not break the cycle. The Bible says he looked down and said to his mother, Mary, Mary, behold your son, and pointed to John. 
and said to John, the disciple, son, behold your mother. Even at the end of his life, he was not breaking the divine cycle. He was honoring his parent. Maybe today it feels like your life is under a little bit of a curse. I wanna encourage you today. Where have you broken the divine cycle? Where do you need to be a little bit self-reflective and go, God, where have I been receiving but not giving back? There's a return that each of us are called to make into what God has given to us. And when you break that cycle, you come under a curse, but it doesn't need to be that way. Don't break the cycle. Somebody say, amen. Amen. I wanna talk a little bit about friendships today. We're in connect group season and what you have been given or what you have received is a healthy church family that wants to invite you into a place of community. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the one who has friends must show themselves friendly. You have received a friend. And now don't break the divine cycle by not giving back or investing into what God has given you. One of the reasons there's intense loneliness, it is a blight on our land, is because we have become very selfish at the point of friendship. What can I get? What's in it for me? And we view friendships in the sense of what people can do for us as opposed to what we can put into them. And then we wonder why it feels like our friendship life is cursed. Why do I attract friends and never keep them? Probably because you've broken a divine cycle. Do you know, when I was uh, a young woman, I moved from Australia to New Zealand and, and I, I was the new girl. I was a stranger in the land. Do you know what I've realised? When it comes to friendships, sometimes you have to be willing to go first. So I found myself in a position where I didn't know anyone. I knew no one, but I had to make the invitations. I was the one. The Bible tells us that everyone is a friend of the person who loves to give gifts. Many of us are waiting for the gift instead of being the gift. And I made a decision, you know what? I've got a certain set of skills. I know how to make a really awesome lasagna and I know how to make a roast chicken. And I'm gonna use it to win myself some friends. And so when my husband was away ministering or away on business, I wouldn't sit at home and complain about how lonely I was. I, inv I, I made my calendar full. I invited people into my home. I cooked for them. I had conversations. I was a good listener. Many of you are wondering why you don't have friends. It's because you haven't realized that a conversation is two people talking. You wanna give, give. You wanna, excuse me, take, take, listen to me, listen to my problems, but never give back. You want a bunch of affirmation constantly. You want a shoulder to cry on, but you never want to be those things. Don't break the divine cycle. If your world is getting small and it feels like it's under a curse, ask yourself the question, where have I broken the cycle? If you're always looking for invitations but never giving them, you do it. You make a meal. You, you clean up. You invite people. You will find that you put into to motion a divine cycle that just as you've given out, you've received back. The Bible says, freely you have received, now freely give. I had to have a conversation with uh, a friend many, many years ago, back when I lived in Australia. And she asked me like, why don't we hang out anymore? 
Now, it was an opportunity for me to maybe pander to her dysfunctions and kind of say, oh, nothing, no, let's get together for a coffee date. But I really felt in God to be honest with her because she's unhappy and she's wondering why. And I can either lie to her or I can tell her the truth. And the truth was, I didn't know it then because I didn't have this revelation then, but she'd broken a divine cycle. And I said to her, I said, you know why? I said, because you're mean. I invite you over. You comment when I've put on weight. You always notice if I've got a pimple on my face. You never help. You never clean up. You never bring anything except an appetite. You miraculously have something better to do when it comes time to wash up. And if I'm honest with you, there are times where I've written your name down on an invitation list out of sympathy, but then I have to scratch it out because of honesty, because you've broken a divine cycle. Those who have friends must show themselves to be friendly. Are you seeing this cycle here? Seeing the cycle. Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was taking, but not giving back. Maybe today, the issue and why it feels like you've got a curse hanging over your head like the sword of Damocles is not everybody else. It's because you have broken a divine cycle and it's time to get into the rhythm again, seed time and harvest. Amen, Leanne. And you know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I, I'm honestly, I don't wake up in the morning and think, how can I brutalize the church members today? I don't, I've just been around for 30 years and I love you as a pastor, I'm 48, but 30 years pastoring. I love you too much to lie to you. And I see so many people cycle in and out of church and unhappiness and discouragement and disillusionment because nobody loves them enough to tell them the truth. And, and you can get another husband or you can get another wife or you can get another friend, but if you don't understand the truth of this principle, you will sabotage what God wants to give you. I don't want you to live under a curse. I want you to live under an open heaven. I want you to love your life. Let's talk about forgiveness today. Because there's nothing like an offense, especially in church, to turn Christian people into atheists with amnesia. Offense has the opportunity to turn even the most on the outward fabulous looking Christians into atheists who have amnesia, where they receive forgiveness from God, but they don't give it back when others hurt them. And there's a very powerful passage of scripture in the New Testament in the book of Matthew chapter number 18. And it's a story, it's, it's a parable of a master inferring the Lord who um, there's a, he has a servant who has a great debt, you and I. And this servant falls to the feet of the master and says to the master, oh my gosh, I can't repay it. Please forgive me, please forgive me. And the master being the benevolent master that he is, forgives the servant of his debt. Five seconds later, this same servant who'd been forgiven a huge debt goes out to find someone who owes him a debt. God's forgiven you a whole bunch. And the first person that offends you in church, well, that's it. I'm cutting you off. And so this is exactly what happens. 
So they grab a hold, he grabs a hold of this person who owes him a debt, which just so happened to be a smaller debt than what this clown had just been forgiven. And, he, and, the, and the same kind of situation happens. And the servant who owed this other servant the debt says, please forgive me, please forgive me. I cannot repay what I owe you. Won't you forgive me? And he has the audacity to say no and has the person thrown in prison for the debt that he is unwilling to forgive five seconds after he's been forgiven a debt. But here's the amazing thing. We... We may be able to fool men and get away with shenanigans for a while, but the Bible says that angels are snitches. (laughs) And the Bible tells us that the servants of the master, the angels, saw this little thing going on and they they could not believe their eyes. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. This guy was just forgiven a huge debt and then he has a chance to pay it forward, to give back, into what he had received and he doesn't do it. He's breaking the divine cycle. He's breaking the divine cycle and all the alarms are going off in heaven. And the angels go back and they give the report to the master and the master cannot believe it. And here's what he says in Matthew 18, 32 to 34. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you. I gave you my forgiveness, all that debt because you begged me. Should you have not paid it forward? Should you not have then poured into your fellow servant? And his master was angry and understandably because he'd broken the divine cycle and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. If you're here today and you're behaving like that servant, you're actually bringing yourself into a place of torment and captivity. You're living under a curse. Things don't need to be that way. When we break the divine cycle of receiving from God and then not paying forward what He has given us, we bring ourselves into a place of torment. And in fact, the Bible tells us when we don't forgive our brother who has sinned against us like God has forgiven us, God cannot forgive us. Isn't that interesting? Don't break the cycle. Don't break the cycle. Where have you broken the cycle? Where have you drunk in the rain of heaven, felt the sunshine on your face and received the nutrients of the soil, but you're not giving back? Can I talk to you about your church life when it comes to tithes and offerings? And there are many churches that won't speak into this. And I would say if they don't speak into it, they either don't have a revelation, they have a fear of man, or they don't love you but Pastor Jürgen and I love you. And the Bible says in the book of Malachi, chapter three, starting in verse eight, it's a conversation that God is having with the Israelites. He comes to them through the prophet Malachi and he says, you guys have robbed me. You've robbed me. And they're incredulous. How have we robbed you? And God makes it very plain in tithes and offerings. And because you have broken the divine cycle, you're cursed with a curse. How many of us would walk into a restaurant, eat a fine meal, pick up our napkin, wipe our mouth, belch, and then walk out without paying the check? None of us would do it in the natural sense. If we were at a restaurant, we'd be getting picked up by the popo at the very least. But how many of us do it in God's house? 
We turn up to God's house and we receive. We receive the Word of Heaven. We receive ministry. We receive community. We receive prayers. We receive love. We receive friendship. We receive all that heaven has to give us. We stand under the spout where the glory comes out. But when it comes to the tithes and the offerings and the serving and the giving back, all of a sudden I've got more important things to do and I've lost my wallet. And and you wonder why it feels like you're living under a curse. You are. How have you robbed me? In tithes and in offerings, you're breaking a divine cycle. And I'm not saying this in some kind of self-indulgent way. God is my provider. God is the supplier of my needs and the needs of our church, but you are robbing yourself when you rob God. You are breaking a divine cycle. Somebody say, don't break the cycle. Amen, Leanne. Or maybe you're sitting in church and you're receiving, you're receiving the Word, but it's not producing fruit in your life. We don't count disciples by bottoms on seats and by how someone can look the part. Can you wear a suit and have a WWJD bracelet and turn up to every meeting? That's not how we judge a disciple. Is your life producing fruit? I, I think it's a horrible thing to sit in church and receive the Word of the Lord, but for it to not produce fruit in your life. What does that fruit look like? Well, Galatians 5 tells us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. When you're receiving the Word of God, when you're a hearer of the Word and not a doer, you are breaking a divine cycle and you are under a curse. And you may say today, well, I can fool men. Yes, you may, but you can never fool God. And just like Jesus once came to the fig tree that was all leaves and no life, He's gonna come again. And this time it'll be the final time. And He's gonna look at the tree of your life. Is there fruit? Am I getting a return on my investment or did this person just receive and not give back? In the book of Revelation, Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches. One of those churches in Revelation chapter number three is the church in Sardis. And He says to the church in Sardis, I know your deeds. I know your works, that you have a name, a reputation for being alive. Oh, you got some fine leaves down there at East Lake, but you are dead, the Bible says. You're all leaves and no life. Do you know what we are doing at Awaken Church East Lake, Pastor Jürgen and I, Pastor Katie and Mike? We are taking you from just looking the part to being authentic. When Jesus comes back, that we wouldn't just be a church with glossy leaves, but no life. We would be a church that produces fruit. Where are you pretending? Where are you receiving but not giving back? In what parts of your life are you all leaves and no life? Because one day Jesus is gonna return for a final inspection. Don't fake it till you make it. I hate that statement. Everything in me is repulsed by that which is disingenuine and and hypocritical and unauthentic. And if you think it repulses me, you bet your bottom dollar it repulses Jesus. He looked at the tree, ah, you're signaling life, but there's no life to be found. Don't fake it till you make it. 
face it till you make it. Come out of the shadows. You may be able to cheat men, but you can never, ever cheat God. And just like Roman says, he's coming back and he will repay each one according to his or her deeds. So right now, if, if Jesus, just close your eyes, was coming to you and you were the fig tree, would He find leaves and no fruit? Are you acting fraudulent, but not producing any fruit? The last couple of years have been so sobering for me as I've watched a couple of my acquaintances and brethren in the ministry around the world be exposed as being trees with great leaves. Oh, if you just judge from a distance and didn't get up close and personal for inspection, you would be so razzle-dazzled. But oh my gosh, my friend, all that glitters is not gold. Are you receiving and not giving back? Are you receiving the blessing of heaven? Are you receiving the Word of the Lord? Are you receiving the companionship and the community of the, the coming together of the saints, but not giving back? Are you receiving the Word of the Lord, but not putting it into practice in your life? And you might look the part, but if we haven't discipled and changed the inner man to a place where every man or woman who comes to our church produces fruit, then we have wasted our labour. Jesus is coming back and this time it will be the final time and He's looking to see, are you all leaves and no life? or is there substance to your life? I believe God is speaking to our church right now. I don't want a fake, phony, fraudulent church that's all leaves and no life because everything hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret, secret will be brought to the light. It's time to wake up and strengthen what remains. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord. I'd love it if you'd stand to your feet as we come to a close. Just lift your hands to the Lord. In this reflective moment, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, who is your helper? And He's quite happy with that title, by the way. He doesn't bucket, He likes it, He loves to help. Ask the Holy Spirit, where am I? All leaves and no fruit. In what area am I receiving the rain, but not bringing forth the harvest? Maybe it is your marriage relationship and you're wondering why it feels dry and barren and full of thorns and thistles. Well, are you receiving the rain but not giving back? How can you give? This is a great season as we come into our relationship series for you to ask yourself the question, where have I been receiving and not giving back? Where have I been underfunding and over expecting. Let's let the Holy Spirit in, open up every part of our lives to Him. King David said it rightly. He said, oh God, search me, know me, test my every anxious thought, see that there be no wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. No more playing, pretending, faking, frauding. Let Jesus in. And for goodness sake, if God's got His finger on something, let Him have it. Let God have His way. 
I found that a, a public shaming or outing is always the absolute last resort. A lot of the people that I know that have had tremendous falls in this last three years had many, many nudges that they ignored, that they, they thought that they could hide behind their glossy green leaves. No, Jesus is looking for fruit. Amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.